BFT. From the Pac West Center in downtown Portland, presented by High Caliber Millwrights, here's John Canzano with the bald faced truth. Well, what's going on, everybody? This is not John Canzano, but this is the bald faced truth. So we have the best of the bald faced truth. I am Stephen Vaughn. Today, we got some more good sound as we've been doing this all week long. Some of John's best interviews of the past year. We've been playing interviews from years past, but today, it's all from this past year. You know, we're going to hear John's reaction to the news. UCLA, USC, they're leaving for the Pac-12. We're going to hear from George Klyovkov, Pac-12 Media Day. Hear a lot about Bill Walton. We were talking about this all week. We've been teasing it all week. But Bill Walton, we'll hear from him. Uh, but first, a little bit of news here that has uh, come out in the last hour or so. I think it's interesting and impactful for the Oregon Ducks. We saw the Ducks have a great recruiting day yesterday. You know, top five in the nation, but five-star safety Peyton Bowen. He he originally committed to Notre Dame, and yesterday he flipped over. Dan Lanning got him, flipped yesterday to the Ducks, but now today he has flipped once again. He's heading to the University of Oklahoma in Norman. You know, it seems official, but, you know, of course, anything can happen. I think now in the days of college football and NIL and all this kind of thing, but, you know, I, I know how important all this recruiting is, but it just – it just seems so silly right now. Just uh, no one knows exactly where anybody's going. How is it a commitment? And then you've been committed to three different schools in two days. Like it, it just doesn't, you know, it doesn't make sense. So, you know, I, I like, I like national signing day. Obviously it's very important to the foundation of college football in your program, but you know what? I, I'm ready. I'm already ready. I'm already ready for next season when they got, you know, the actual rosters out and I can start digging in on that. Um, with just with so much movement, it's so hard to keep track of it all. But you know, I thought that was a very interesting thing. Peyton Bowen going to Oklahoma now. The five-star safety was committed to Notre Dame, then committed to Oregon, now committed to the University of Oklahoma. A lot of movement going on in college football right now. And uh, speaking of that, USC, they had a lot of transfers come in this past year with Lincoln Riley, Caleb Williams, Jordan Addison, all that. But the big news in the summer was USC, UCLA announcing they're heading to the Big Ten uh, that news came out of nowhere back in June, and uh, we're going to play some of John's reaction from that. Uh, this was from June 30th of this year. John Kanzana's reaction to USC and UCLA heading to the Big Ten. Champions, the Pac-12 Conference, founded in downtown Portland. A lot of people don't know that. Once upon a time, more than 100 years of tradition, the Rose Bowl, championships the rose bowl parade an alliance with the big 10 and the acc all of that dumped on its head today as the news spread across the pac-12 footprint and athletic departments from utah and colorado and arizona and washington and oregon and other places all reacted to the news usc and ucla reportedly in talks about moving to the Big Ten Conference. I responded immediately, like my immediate knee-jerk reaction to this, and maybe you shared it, was say it ain't so. I don't want to see the tradition and the pageantry of the Pac-12 Conference splintered up like it doesn't matter. I'm also well aware that the western part of the United States hasn't seemed to matter to college football in a couple of few years. I mean, look at the playoff participants. Everybody east of the Rockies participating. Everybody the west of the Rockies watching. It's not like March Madness where we all tune in and 
we feel like we got a dog in the fight and a bracket to uh, check out. The college football postseason has essentially lopped off the western part of the United States. This morning, I was reaching out already, before all this news broke, I was reaching out to about a half dozen Pac-12 conference athletic directors. I was poking around what we've been talking about on this show for a couple of few days, and I appreciate everybody who makes this show part of their day. We'll get you caught up. we got great conversation ahead on the Pac-12. We'll get the latest, as this is fluid and developing. John Wilner will be joining me. We will do a solid hour on this topic later in the show, but I want to tell you what I know right now, and I want to know what you think about it. Um, this morning, I was reaching out to those Pac-12 conference athletic directors poking around about season ticket sales trends. I was trying to figure out why are season tickets soft in some places, and maybe this dovetails nicely with a conversation about USC and UCLA potentially leaving the Pac-12 conference, because what happened was I didn't get an answer from any of the ADs, like none of them. I reached out to Martin Jarman at UCLA. Nothing. Crickets. I reached out to Jen Cohen at Washington. Crickets. Mark Harlan at Utah. Crickets. Oregon's Rob Mullins. Crickets. Oregon State's Scott Barnes. Crickets. Like, nobody getting back to me, and I thought, that's really unusual. It raised some red flags, and within about 60 to 90 minutes, the news broke nationally that UCLA and USC may be defecting to the Big Ten Conference as soon as 2024. Now, the move has not been finalized, but it appears that the Bruins and the Trojans are at least fed up with the Pac-12 conference, and they want to join one of the halves of college football. The halves are the Big Ten and the SEC. George Klyovkov, the Pac-12 commissioner, I'm told, was on vacation. He learned about this on vacation. He didn't know it was happening. I'm told Rob Mullins at Oregon uh, didn't know this was happening, nor did Scott Barnes at Oregon State, nor did Rick George at Colorado or Mark Harlan at Utah. I mean, nobody knew this was happening except maybe USC and UCLA and the executives at Fox. Keep that in your pocket as we have this conversation. It turns out that Fox likely initiated this conversation. I have a source telling me inside the Pac-12 conference that there's no way USC or UCLA reached out first to the Big Ten conference. It would fly in the face of the mission of the UC system for UCLA. There still may be, be some problems there for UCLA if they want to do this. It may not just be a gene block chancellor at UCLA equation. It may, just, it may not be a Martin Jarman gene block decision. The regents at UCLA may have uh, something to say about this, but Fox appears to be driving this conversation. Fox is in negotiations with the Big Ten Conference. It looks like it's going to be a TV deal that will be worth about a billion dollars to the Big Ten Conference. And so the Big Ten is looking around going, hey, we're feeling flush right now. And Fox is looking around going, hey, we used to have Texas and Oklahoma as part of our arsenal. What else could we pull into the fold here to make the Ohio State, Penn State uh, you know, equation feel a little bit bigger? Michigan, whatever. What TV markets appeal to us? So it's not rocket science that the Fox executives, who, by the way, are heavily influenced by USC. If you look at the executives at Fox, it's a whole bunch of USC graduates and USC tentacles and connections. It's not surprising to me that Fox covets you. USC. But you look in their backyard in Los Angeles and you go, hey, that is a major TV market. So 
what you have to start doing as a sports fan, as you sort of dissect what is happening here, what may happen, what may not happen, and of course we're going to take your phone calls, but you, what you have to do is you have to figure that television and TV markets that are powerful and important matter in this conversation. Uh, you know, doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that there's a Rose Bowl. It doesn't matter that you and I have parents and grandparents who love the Pac-12 conference. It doesn't matter that you and I appreciate the tradition and the history, 120 years of the Pac-12 conference. The TV executives of the world would uh, wad that up and throw it in the trash can in a heartbeat if it meant getting more money and more eyes and more viewers on their products and their inventory. But over the last decade, UCLA and USC uh, have received uh, at least $20 million less in media rights fees uh, when it comes to uh, their media deal. Larry Scott, the Pac-12 commissioner uh, who is, uh, was ousted, um, it, you know, was part of that. Um, it, it's interesting to me to think about uh, you know, the, the effect or the impact of Larry Scott on what we're seeing now. Uh, because I think you have to talk about the impact of a bad TV deal. I think you have to talk about the impact of a commissioner who who brought forth an idea in 2010 that the Pac-12 should take Texas in, like he was sniffing around the right idea. He just didn't have the follow-through for it. He foresaw, I think, that there would be a movement towards these super conferences. He just didn't have the uh, the uh, power and the strength to, to, to make the heavy lift to actually get it done. So, you know, this is a move that I think is not shocking to people, although it is surprising. Does that make sense? Like, these are the times we're in. Television's driving the bus. Money is what matters here. And the end product here, uh, a, a Big Ten conference that could have as many as 20 or 22 members, um, you know, is is simply a TV uh, production, a TV invention uh, that has been invented to include a bunch of television markets and, and uh, sell a bunch of commercials. Now, if UCLA and USC go to the Big Ten Conference, I expect that the Big Ten is not going to stop there. Like, th there are going to be other dominoes that fall in this game. Um, but I understand the strategy of the Big Ten. You come in, you take the two LA schools out, uh, and all of a sudden, You've got a splintered Pac-12. I mean, it, this is how you would conduct warfare. You go into, uh, you know, an important city and the other person's geography, and you uh, you take control of it. And and all of a sudden, everybody else has to pick. Like, do I want to be part of the Pac-12 that is splintering, or do I want to be with the haves? So here's what I think is going to happen if USC and UCLA uh, end up in the Big Ten conference. I think the, that Washington and Oregon would be targets by the Big Ten. I also think Stanford and Cal would become targets of the Big Ten. I also think potentially Utah and Colorado would become targets of the Big Ten. Why do I pick those schools? Well, they bring something with television market in Seattle. I think Seattle's big enough that Washington would be interesting to the Big Ten Conference as an addition. I think the Bay Area with the TV markets and Stanford and Cal would be interesting. I also think that we're talking about AAU member universities. There are only 63 in the United States and two in Canada. They tout themselves as the uh, leaders in innovation and scholarship and solutions and scientific progress and economic development and research. And there are places like Duke and UCLA and University of Washington and John Hopkins University and, and some others. So uh, as I look at the Pac-12 footprint, the, you know, the Big Ten 
is only going to take AAU members if it wants to stay true to its academic mission. And that would include UCLA and USC. It would include Colorado, potentially. It would include Oregon. It would include Utah. I'm just talking targets here now. Uh, you know, and as you look around the Pac-12 conference, Cal Berkeley is in that conversation. Of course, Stanford is in that conversation, and it kind of rounds out at, at that point. So if you're the Big Ten, those are the candidates if you're looking to expand. Uh, I also think there's a geography play here for the Big Ten conference. If they get USC and UCLA, the last thing they want to do with those two universities is have them have to travel four-plus hours on a flight every Saturday to play a college football game. So I, I suspect that the Big Ten would create a West division that would include USC, UCLA, Oregon, Washington, Stanford, and Cal. Uh, you could add Colorado and Utah or sub a couple out, but I think that's those are the schools that uh, are interested in being uh, part of uh, our, the Big Ten would be interested in. Now, what happens if that happens? Well, the entire Pacific time zone suddenly feels left out of major college football, aside from maybe USC and UCLA. Uh, and Mike Bone, the AD at USC, and Martin Jarman, the AD at uh, UCLA, um, not traditional Pac-12 guys. Neither one of them got their start in the Pac-12. Jarmon was at Michigan State and Ohio State. You see the theme here. Bone was born in Illinois. He grew up in Colorado, and he was the AD in Boulder when the Buffaloes joined the Pac-12. But I just don't feel like either one of those universities, if they're seriously entertaining this, put much weight in the historical impact of a defection to the Big Ten. This is a business move, and it's one driven by Fox. And I'm not happy about it. I don't like it. I'm uncomfortable with it. But I understand this is the direction that college athletics is moving. I've got more to say on this. I don't like it one bit. I want to hear what you have to say. John Wilner will be joining us uh, coming up later in the show for an hour. We're going to do like an hour of Pac-12 talk. It'll be rich. It'll be forward-thinking. We'll have the latest and the greatest. But what happens to Oregon State? What happens to Washington State? What happens to the Pac-12 if six teams or four teams or even two teams are plucked out of the Pac-12 conference and taken into the Big Ten? And is there any legal recourse? Could the regents of the University of California system require UCLA to stay put? And if UCLA stays, would that mean that USC couldn't go alone? We're going to talk all about that, but I want your phone calls right now. I gave you my reaction. I didn't like it one bit. I'm old-fashioned. I like the Rose Bowl. I like the Rose Bowl being a Big Ten, Pac-12 matchup tradition, right? But that said, uh, you know, I'd like to see the Pac-12 stay unified beyond that. That was John Canzano back in June, June 30th, 2022, and there's still a lot of questions to be answered. Uh, the one thing we do know, UC Regents, they have ruled that it's okay for UCLA to go, but they got to pay that uh, fee to California, University of California as well. Uh, going to be weird to see those teams in the Big Ten, but it's going to happen here soon. So after the break, now we are going to hear from Pac-12 Commissioner George Klyovkov from Pac-12 Media Day talking to John Canzano. I am Stephen Vaughn. This is the Bald Face Truth, the best of the Bald Face Truth on the Bald Face Truth Radio Network. You're listening to the best of the Bald Face Truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game. Welcome back to the best of the bald face truth. I am Stephen Vaughn. John will be back next week. Just getting a little time off here for the holidays. 
And, uh, you know, we're going to keep listening to some more Pac-12 news here. George Klyovkov, you know, the Pac-12 news of uh, UCLA, USC heading to the Big Ten. That was a talking point in college football for a long time during that offseason. That's all we could think about, all we could talk about. And we all wanted to hear what the Pac-12 thought of the news. You know, we all gave our opinions. We heard John Canzano and John Milner basically leading the charge of what they were hearing. But we all wanted to hear George Klyovkov and John Canzano. He caught up with the Pac-12 Commissioner George Klyovkov at Pac-12 Media Day to talk all about it. Here's that interview from July 29th. Pac-12 Commissioner George Klyovkov with John Canzano for Pac-12 Media Day. Pac-12 Media Day, George Klyovkov, the Pac-12 Commissioner, stepping in. Uh, you, you gave State of the Union address this morning. Yep. And then you took some questions. <laughs> I thought you got the scalpel out a little bit. I like that. You didn't use the sledgehammer. We got the scalpel out a little bit. And... Yeah. You know, at some point you get tired of people trying to destabilize your conference and you got to hit back a little bit. And listen, I think in the grand scheme of things, having a healthy Big 12 and a healthy Pac-12 would be good. You know, to have both those in the Power Five and to have those votes in the room would be helpful. Um, at the same time, you know, we've been taking shots for the last four weeks, and I was just tired of it. Was there a reason why you stayed quiet? Was that strategy? or It, it was strategy because, uh, uh, candidly, we've been incredibly busy. We've been doing serious, serious work, and I could have spent all day chasing down rumors and mm -hmm. talking to reporters off, you know, uh, on background and not for attribution and, you know, dropping all sorts of nonsense. And, uh, you know, I think at the end of the day, what you produce matters. And I thought I could be more effective in producing something great for the future of the Pac-12 if I actually spent my time working on it as opposed to refuting nonsense. There is a lot of nonsense out there. There's a lot of, uh, you know, unsourced nonsense that's out there. And I keep telling yep. the audience here, like, I'm only going to give you stuff that I can source that I know to be true, uh, quality, in-depth stuff. But from your position, how destructive is it to have kind of that? Oh, it's incredibly destructive, yeah. but that's why they do it. Listen, when I was in journalism school, we were taught you got to source things from two reliable sources, and you can't run with it until. And now we've got, you know, folks in the national media reporting stuff that are on burner Twitter accounts. Yeah. It's just unfortunate, but it's the world we live in. you got to adjust to it. And... Again, uh, you know, I don't have a thin skin. I'm okay with this stuff. Uh, it does destabilize people. Uh, for the first week after the news broke about UCLA and USC, I would say we were in a fever pitch and people were nervous and scared and, you know, every little rumor sent people off. And I kept reiterating and reiterating, don't believe everything you read. Don't believe what you read. I'm going to report back to you the truth. And I'll tell you, our presence and chancellors and athletic directors, particularly in the last three weeks, have been absolutely incredible. And on top of all of that, they've been going out of their way that if they hear something from someone else or if someone from a different conference is approaching them, they forward me those messages. Yeah. And those are fun to read. I've read every single one that's been sent to our conference over the last three weeks. And it is amazing how brazen some of these folks in these other conferences are. I was looking back at photos from last football season, and I caught a photo of you and Kevin Warren in the press box at Columbus. Yeah, that and was a fun day. It was a fun day. It was a fun day. Pac-12 got a win that day. And then I've watched, you know, the Alliance News Conference. And yeah. on a personal level, did it bother you what the Big Ten did? Well, listen, I, I don't want to talk about personalities or how they go about their business. Um, I've always been someone that has given every single person I meet respect and trust until they give me a reason not to give them respect and trust. I'll just leave it at that. George Klyovkov, Pac-12 commissioners with us. Uh, media rights revenue, access to the college football playoff. 
which of those is more valuable to the Pac-12? We need both, and we will have both. You're confident of this? Confident. Some, one AD told me, George is kicking ass. I'm trying. <laughs> and it's, by the way, it's because I've got lots of really, really good people working for me. It's not me. The, you, you said before in previous conversations you're a puzzle solver. I've thought about that because this, yeah. this is a puzzle. Yeah. It's a Rubik's Cube. Oh, it, was, it was before UCLA and USC. It was a complicated, difficult puzzle before that. It got a lot more complicated and more difficult in the last four weeks and a day. But that's okay. I'm yeah. built for this stuff. Day 365, you're in Montana? 364, 364, right? 364, you're in Montana. <laughs> I'm in Montana driving to Idaho in an area that does not have cell coverage. And I get uh, several urgent text messages from my deputy commissioner saying, find a place with cell coverage and call me. It's Murphy's Law. I mean, that's just how it works. Well, you know? I, think, like, I, I think it was the second or third day of my first vacation on the job yeah. after a year. How did and that fly with your wife? Like, hey, uh, I'm she, sorry. She's, she's awesome. <laughs> she, she's seen me go through these things before. She's you know, fully supportive. Uh, I had to relocate back to Las Vegas because I really needed all of the opportunity to have connectivity and the computer and everything else. So I left her up in Montana and... Uh, came back to Vegas, and I've been working from there ever since. And then we're getting through it. Uh, you said during your State of the Union that, you know, you're exploring expansion. Yes. You mentioned geography. You mentioned media value. I go to television households. I go to a yep. place like San Diego or maybe into the state of Texas. Is there anything else beyond that that is important to the Pac-12? Well, I think the normal things that anyone would look at are um, the the – kind of media landscape and where it fits in the media landscape and whether or not you're adding a really valuable DMA or not, right? Then for us, we look at athletic competition because, you know, as the Conference of Champions, you want someone who's going to invest broadly in sports and be competitive in a lot of sports. Uh, so that kind of limits who you can look at. Um, we, we do have kind of a cultural and academic fit, which is important in the Pac-12, maybe more so than other places, but it's important to our presidents and chancellors. And remember, they're the ones who make these final determinations. And then I think what makes us different, at least from what I've seen recently, is we're actually going to take into account what's good for our student-athletes. Right? Not, not that there are any schools in Boston, but we're not adding a school in Boston because we're not traveling kids to Boston to play games. The idea that UCLA is gone maybe maybe okay let's start there beyond the UC system getting involved yeah. is there a scenario where a media partner comes in and says to UCLA hey we can get you to 75 million if you stay is that on the table too or are you exploring something like that you know I, I'm, I'm not going to get into the specifics what I will say is that um the, the UCLA community I feel bad for uh the vast majority of people in that community um immediately did not like this decision and i think the longer the decision sticks the worse they're going to like it you've got student athletes who do not like it you've got families of student athletes that really don't like it uh we've had coaches uh throughout the pac-12 who are picking up recruits that otherwise would have been to ucla and usc because the kids don't want to travel like they're going to have to travel um the alumni don't like it the fans don't like it the staff and particularly the faculty yeah. really don't like it i mean it, they've, they've put themselves in a tough place. I don't envy that. Um, I, you know, I am not predicting that they come back. I think, you know, the strong majority kind of is that they're going to stay by going to the Big Ten, unfortunately. But if they came back, we'd, you know, we'd welcome them back. The, yeah, I think 
you know, David Shaw said it to me. He, he thinks geography wins in the end, a decade from now, 20 years from now. Oh, yeah. He thinks it's back to, hey, southeastern teams playing in one place. And yeah. it just doesn't work, does it? I, it doesn't work for student-athletes. Yeah. It, it may work for football, if we're honest with each other. Right? Fewer games, higher profile, you know, chartered jets. Um, I, I think for a lot of the sports, it absolutely won't work. And it will cause mental and physical harm. It will cause a degradation in the ability to participate fully in the academic pursuit. I mean, uh, student athletes are not going to be in a good place as a result of these decisions and decisions that were driven by short-term financial gains, which I understand. The, uh, the idea that unequal revenue sharing could be part of a future um, or agreement creates some problems. You know, you're in the room with somebody who's making more than you. Is that something on the table right now? Well, I mean, we haven't taken anything off the table. Um, I, I think there are, there are creative ways to do unequal, un, unequal sharing. Um, so just I'll give you one thought. There are lots of thoughts like this. But um, instead of unequally splitting up the media revenue, maybe there's a bonus off the top for anyone that wins a national championship or you get to keep your basketball units or you get to keep a portion of your CFP payment for being in the CFP. And that, for me, incentivizes the right thing, which is building and creating great competitive sports programs. And, you know, our bigger brand schools that do that more often will see more financial benefit from the conference, but we might still keep equal sharing. Uh, that's on the table. Lots of other things are on the table. I think the first job is figure out what the media rights deal looks like and see what, what pie you're splitting up. So that's where we're focused. All right. You got you, your opening statement was great. You were very measured. And then you got a Q&A. And then I saw George Kleofka. <laughs> I, saw you, I saw you roll your sleeves up. And you'd had enough, hadn't you? Uh, I've had enough for four weeks. Yeah. You, but did it feel good? <laughs> did it feel good to throw one, well, throw a punch? Listen, I, you know, I, I, I tend to be a collegial person. I, I don't like doing that. But at some point, you, you got to take the gloves off. George Kleofka, we'll get you back on soon when you have more to talk about. That'd be great. Uh, are we talking yeah. about a couple of months here with the media rights stuff? I, is... I think so. Um, you know, we're drafting behind the Big Ten because they're going to set a big number yeah. and we're going to draft off of that. Um, I don't know when their deal is going to be done. You know, uh, a Fox executive earlier this week said a couple of weeks. You know, I, it'll get done by Labor Day one way or the other. And then we're going to then jump in with, you know, every effort we can to get the most money for our schools, and that'll take a couple months to get through that process. Yeah. So sometime this year. You seem confident about the access to the playoff, and that's the part of this that I'm going to leave thinking about. Yeah. You feel good about that. Uh, to the college football playoffs? Yeah, the, the, the Pac-12 will have access to a future college football playoff, or do you feel I, like you have it now? I can't see an argument for us not having access to the college football playoffs. I mean, I, I think we're going to be right in the middle of the Power Five when it comes to revenue per school. So um, unless we're only giving access to two conferences, I think we're okay. George Kleofkoff, <laughs> thank you. Yeah, real pleasure. Good to see you. That was George Kleofkoff with John Canzano back from Pac-12 Media Day. July 29th, and uh, you know he said that he was going to get a deal done here probably in the year for the Pac-12 media, media rights. Uh, did not happen, and that's the one fear that I have. Uh, just, you know, I've had the wool pulled out from under me uh, too many times here with the Pac-12, with some of these teams that I root for, the Blazers. I need to see it before I believe it. So still a lot to be uh, decided here with the state of college football and the movement with teams and schools, but that was George Kleofka, very confident. Uh, Pac-12 Media Day with John Canzano. We're going to take a break here, uh, and when we come back, 
We're going to switch gears a little bit and talk about the Portland Trailblazers. They had a really bad season where they were tanking last season. John caught up with Sean Hyken of the Rose Garden Report right at NBA Draft Lottery to see what the Blazers were thinking at that time. We will listen to that right after this break on the Bald Face Truth. This is the best of the Bald Face Truth on the Bald Face Truth Radio Network. You're listening to the best of the Bald Face Truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game. Welcome back, Best of the Bald Face Truth. I am Stephen Vaughn here. John will be back next week for some live shows, but we got a little year in review here. Uh, we hear George Klyovkov. We heard John react to the UCLA-USC Big Ten news, but now we're going to head over to the NBA and the Portland Trailblazers. They had a very, very bad season last year. They lost 21 of their last 23 games on the season. They went 27-55, and 55, but... What that meant was hope. Losing brought hope as they got a good draft pick. Eventually ended up being Shade and Sharp, who has a bright future. But John Canzano, he talked with Sean Hyken of the Rose Garden Report at the draft lottery. This conversation was from May 17, 2022. John Canzano and Sean Hyken talking Portland Trailblazers and the NBA draft, NBA draft lottery from earlier this year. Give me an idea. I was asking this in the opening segment. Like, what is a win today for the Blazers? In your mind, where does the draft fall off is, I guess, what I'm asking you. The Blazers, you know the Blazers' needs as well as anybody. What's a win for the Blazers? I mean, any a win would be moving up into the top four. They have a they have a 9% chance at the number one overall pick because they have the sixth best lottery odds. And, but they have a 37.2% chance of moving up into the top four, which is the fourth they draw the lottery balls for. And, I, I mean, I'd be, I'd be lying to you if I said that I was – the biggest expert on the draft and on college basketball. I haven't really watched enough of any of these guys to have, you know, a strong opinion about who they should take or who they shouldn't take or which, which of them would be the best fit. But if you move up into the top four, I think that opens a lot of things up, not just for whether, you know, because it seems like a consensus top three guys are Chet Holmgren, in the center out of Gonzaga and then uh, Jabari Smith out of Auburn and Paolo Banchero out of uh, Duke. You can take one of those three, and it seems like, and you know, from what I've read and from people that I've talked to, it seems like all three of them are guys who are ready to contribute right now and aren't, you know, multi-year projects that they would have to develop while they're still trying to win now with Dame. But if you get a pick in the top four, that also opens up potentially a lot of different stuff you could do as far as what kind of trades you can make. It gives you kind of, you know, other conversations you can get into. So moving up into the top four. And just really, I mean, even if they stay at six, they're fine. It seems like, you know, from what I, from people I talked to, this draft is not like this isn't like one of those drafts where there's like two guys and then everybody and then it's a huge drop off. It seems like there's a lot of depth in the later lottery in this draft, so I think they're in an okay spot with it no matter what. But you would like to see them move up to the top four. I'm looking at the playoffs. I'm looking at these final four teams, and I'm seeing you know teams that have depth. They've got stars. They're well coached. I mean, it's not accidental. When you view the Blazers through that prism, Sean. How far away do they feel from you, you know, to you from maybe getting to a conference finals again? They need a lot more wing depth. They need to get better defensively. And, 
the you know the the, the big the big thing that's really going to swing what happens with the franchise the next few years is how healthy Dame is because you know this this year they shut him down in January with the ab thing and he says he's been dealing with that for several years which is amazing that he was playing at the level he was playing at the last few seasons while he was dealing with that if he's really if he, this was really bothering him that much and he has said in the past that when people see me next year, they're going to realize how hurt I was because I'm going to come back better than ever. And so if that's true, we've seen Dane get some pretty mediocre teams a lot further than they should have gotten over the years. But if they can get some more wing depth, I, I you know, what you heard, you know, Jeremy Grant was a name that was thrown out there a lot around the trade deadline. I think that's somebody they're still going to be in on, uh, OG Ananobi in Toronto is somebody else that I think they could look at if, if there's some sort of a logjam in Toronto and they uh, view, you know, view him as somebody who's expendable. So those are, I think, the kind of players that they need to get more of in order to – like they have scoring with Dane. They have scoring with Anthony Simon. The, you know, the Josh Hart you – know, you, and you've heard Joe Cronin talk about this, that uh, he you – know, the Josh Hart type of players are the kinds of guys that he and Chauncey want to bring in, guys who are you know, two-way guys and – can defend and, you know, are, are going to play hard on that end. And I think that's what, I mean, the offense is there. They need to get better defensively and they need to get better personnel defensively. And I think that's, that's when you look at whether, you know, the, all the teams that are left, whether it's, uh, you know, uh, Golden State having a guy like Draymond Green and like a Dorian Finney-Smith in Dallas, and then obviously Boston and Miami both have incredible defenses. That's what, these teams are all uh, kind of built, built on, as, as well as having a couple of transcendent offensive players. And, you know, the Blazers have one of those in Dane, but the defense is where they need to improve if they ever want to be on that trajectory to be in this conversation in future years. I still can't tell, and this is no knock on Chauncey Billups, I just haven't seen enough maybe or seen enough of them in, in games that matter to know if Chauncey Billups is the coach that could take them you know, into the playoffs again in a couple seasons or maybe advance in the playoffs. When you see Chauncey Billups, what did you see from him in the last year, Sean? And is he the kind of coach that you think could grow into the guy that could take them deeper into the playoffs? Or do you see it or not, I guess? I think it's so hard to judge him one way or the other, whether, you know, he's a good coach or a bad coach at this point because we just saw so little of of – you know, most of the season, you know, especially, you know, they shut Dame down and then they trade everybody at the deadline. He was basically coaching e-leaguers who aren't going to be on the team next year for most of the year. And the point of that, like, I, I, I'm not really going to be judging a coach too harshly on stuff when, like, they were actively trying to lose games as an organization for both for, like, half the season. So, <laughs> from that standpoint, but also, when, you know, you bring up Ime Udoka, who uh, is getting a ton of credit right now for – the job and deservedly so for the way that he's been able to turn the Celtics around after a rough start. But you look at the beginning of the season where the Celtics got off to a really bad start and he was kind of doing some of the same stuff that Chauncey was doing uh, that like er- early on in the season where he was like calling out guys effort in post game press conferences and saying that guys aren't bought in and guys are playing selfish. A lot of the same stuff that we were hearing from Chauncey here in Portland before you know, Neil got fired and the, and the focus of the season changed. Uh, and so, you know, you saw that Udoka kind of had a rough start, but then as the season went along, like you know, the, the main guys, Jalen Brown, Jason Tate, and Marcus Smart kind of started to buy in a little bit more to what he was doing. I think that Chauncey has, you know, having talked to him, you know, throughout the season and gotten to know him and just gotten to know him and his personality and his temperament, 
I think he has the personality to be a very good head coach. He's a very, you know, straightforward guy. He's very good at kind of meeting people where they are and just, you know, being able to talk to people and just being able to relate to people. I think that a lot of the personality stuff and the intangible stuff is there. And he's also, I think he also did not come in even as much of a track record as he had uh, as a player and as somebody who was really respected. He did not come into this and he was very open about this with us in the media, like all the time throughout the season. He said that, you know, this year was a developmental year for the players, but it was also a developmental year for him as a head coach. And he's very open about, like, I still have to learn. I still have to get better at this. I still have to figure out what works and what doesn't work. And I could just tell, like, from, you know, the beginning of the season when they were getting blown out and, you know, guys were, you know, he was calling out guys' effort. And you, you could tell that, like, he was miserable coaching a team that was expected to be in the playoff because uh, the person that put the roster together at the time was the only one that thought that that roster was a playoff team. And he kind of had to live with the results of that. And you could tell he was kind of miserable. And then once in a weird way, obviously when you're a coach, especially you're trying to make your mark, you don't like losing games. But once they shifted what they were doing with the season, when they shut Dane down and when they traded CJ and Covington and Norm Powell, and it became entirely a developmental thing, I could just tell the difference in him. He was having so much more fun just on a day-to-day basis, not having to worry about wins and losses, and being able to just, like, teach concepts and principles to some of the younger guys. I think it's, and, and it seemed like guys really responded to that. I've not heard anything but positive stuff from players about whether, you know, they like him personally and they respect him. I, I think that there is optimism that he is going to end up being a good coach. It's kind of hard to really judge off of this season, given how sideways everything went for stuff that was kind of out of his control. We're talking to Sean Hyken, Bleacher Report, covers the NBA. The, Damian Lillard's future in Portland, um, you know, we talk about him often as it's a foregone conclusion that he's going to be part of this roster. How how unstable does that situation feel to you? I think that what happened in December makes it a lot more likely that he sticks around long-term. I, I, I can tell you that, Every like ever since that happened, ever since the you know Joe Cronin became the interim general manager, and obviously now he's the full time general manager. Nearly every time I was at a game or a practice, especially after they shut Dame down for the season with the ab injury, I would see Dame and Joe sitting on the baseline, just talking for like thirty or forty five minutes at a time, and just like it was very obvious that like they are t- they they talk all the time they communicate all the time Dame is totally bought I mean you you see that he's he's uh he's representing the team at the lottery like if, if he was a guy who was like looking at maybe asking for a trade which has been you know in out in the ether for however many years that it's been just because there always has to be somebody you know, a star in a small market that people think is going to ask for a trade if he was going to do that I don't think he would be here representing the team at the lottery. And also he's about to get this extension uh, in the summer. So I, I don't, I don't see the this, this situation changing anytime soon. I think he's going to be here for uh, at least the foreseeable future. Can the Blazers with Anthony Simons, Dame, Yusuf Nurkic, possibly, you know, does the timeline work up work, Sean? Like when you talk about the window to win for Damian Lillard's career, and, you know, you're potentially adding a 20-year-old kid to the mix, uh, you know, maybe even projecting it after tonight in the draft lottery. Does the timing work for you? That's why what you just said with, you know, having those three guys who are kind of win-now players, 
and then adding a 20-year-old to the mix, that's also part of why I think it's very well within the realm of possibility that they don't end up keeping the pick that they get tonight in the lottery. I mean, you, they you know, had kind of a setback with they, their ability to do different things when New Orleans made the playoffs, and they didn't get that second lottery pick that I think they were counting on from the CJ trade. But if they, if this pick, whether it, you know, whether it moves into the top four, if it moves into the top four, that opens up a lot more stuff as far as like trade conversations they could get into. Like, you know, what if the Lakers decide to trade Anthony Davis? What if Joel Embiid asks? This is all like totally outlandish stuff. But, like, what if Joel Embiid looks at this whole Philly situation, which is pretty messy right now? And like, yeah, I don't know. Like, if you have a pick that's that high, like you can get into those conversations. And even if it goes, you know, stays at six or you know even moves back a little bit, this situation in Phoenix with. DeAndre Ayton is kind of interesting where like if you have a you know lottery pick and they, it seems clear that like that situation is headed for a breakup you can maybe get in the mix there too. like I would I would say that I mean, it's it's a, it's a pretty good chance I don't I don't want to put a percentage on it but right I think just bait because of the window because they're trying to win now while Dame is still in his prime and while he's still here and still bought in I think that it's pretty possible that whatever their wherever their pick falls tonight that they could not be drafting a player for themselves on draft day. that was sean hyken rose garden report and uh yeah the blazers ended up getting the seventh pick in the draft they drafted Shaden sharp out of kentucky looks like that could be a very solid pick for portland as he has had some really good moments this season some struggles but again he's only 19 years old didn't play college basketball he is looking really good the trailblazers though as Sean said, needs to get better on the wing. Still need to get better at defense. 23rd in defensive rating this season. 8th in offensive rating. The offense has been a lot better as of late, but they just lose to the Oklahoma City Thunder last night. 101-98 for their second consecutive loss to the Thunder on the road. Next up for Portland, they are going to be in Denver. That game will be tomorrow, uh, 6 p.m. tip-off from Ball Arena against the MVP, Nikola Jokic. We are going to take one last final break before the last, for the next segment. And when we come back, we're going to wrap up hour number one, set up hour number two, where we're going to hear from Bill Walton. The Bill Walton hour coming up next, but coming up next, we're just going to wrap up hour number one right here. Best of the BFT on the Bald Face Truth Radio Network. You're listening to the best of the Bald Face Truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game. Best of the bald face truth. I am Stephen Vaughn. Wrapping up hour number one. Earlier in the show, we listened to John and his reaction to the USC UCLA news of those two Pac-12 schools heading over to the Big Ten. We heard George Klyovkov from Pac-12 Media Day uh, sound very confident in what was happening and talk about the media rights deal that they were going to make. They haven't made that quite yet, but very confident what they're still doing. The Pac-12, the Pac-12 will be fine. We also heard from Sean Hyken, Rose Garden Report, reporting back when the Blazers were in the NBA draft lottery and trying to figure out what exactly they were going to do. Of course, that ends up being Shaden Sharp on the Portland Trail Blazers, and now Portland 17-15 and 15 this season, number seven in the Western Conference. Of course, the big news of today uh, you know, around here is the University of Oregon and their big recruiting day they had yesterday. They uh, took a little hit today. Five-star safety, Peyton Bowen. He flipped from Notre Dame to Oregon yesterday. Now he's flipping from Oregon to Oklahoma. 
Uh, the very interesting part of that is yesterday, we, you know, they asked him what the decision came down to between Notre Dame and Oregon, and he said it was between those two schools, and no other schools were involved. When he was making his decision, he did the little hat thing where he faked the Notre Dame hat, put it back, put the Oregon hat on. No Oklahoma hat to be spotted, but now he will be heading to Oklahoma. Uh, Oregon still with a really good recruiting class, but lose out on that five-star safety as he is going to head over to Norman. Uh, later on in the show, we are uh, coming up next hour, we're going to have the Bill Walton Hour. Uh, we talked about how many segments Bill Walton is going to be. Me, uh, Peter, and myself, we took uh, a three-and-a-half as the over-under. If you took the under, you're cashing it in because it's going to be three segments. The first three segments, all Bill Walton. The fourth segment is open just to wrap it up. But Bill Walton gets an entire hour to himself. I thought it was going to be such a great uh, great thing to recap what he said back on November 1st because that was, uh, that was you know, he hadn't made a statement on what he thought about the USA, USC, UCLA decision to go to the Big Ten. And you knew Bill Walton was not going to be happy about it. That guy is Pac-12, ride or die, conference of champions, all that good stuff. You knew he wasn't going to hold back, and he didn't. And it's a great conversation that we're going to uh, listen to coming up in the next hour then after that, we got Monday or Thursday night football. I'm sorry, it's not Monday, it's Thursday. Thursday night football right here locally on 750 The Game. It's the Jaguars taking on the Jets. We're going to have that coverage at 515. So keep it locked in to 750 The Game and all the local stations, the great local stations all around the great state of Oregon. They got great programming there. But this is the best of the bald face truth. I am Stephen Vaughn, and we are going to take a break here. Coming up, we are going to have Bill Walton. Man, he he goes in. He goes in on the Big Ten. He goes in on UCLA and how he is not happy. He was not happy about the decision that UCLA made to go to the Big Ten. He didn't understand it. He loves the Pac-12. He's a Pac-12 guy, and he lets it be known. As he and John Canzano talk, we will have the entire interview right here. So coming up, this is the best of the bald face truth. I am Stephen Vaughn on the BFT Radio Network. <laughs> B-F-F-T. From the Pack West Center in downtown Portland, presented by High Caliber Millwrights, here's John Canzano with the Bald Face Truth. Hour two of the best of the Bald Face Truth on the Bald Face Truth Radio Network. I am Stephen Vaughn, driving the ship today. Earlier in hour one, we heard from John himself reacting to the USC UCLA head into the Big Ten news all the way back uh, in June. And now I remember that happened in June because I started a couple days at this station right before that. And, uh, you know, I learned I learned real quick that John Canzano was, uh, he's, he's the king of the Pac-12. He knows all Pac-12 things. So we learned that. Uh, we heard from John and his reaction that he had back on June 30th. We then heard from George Klyovkov from Pac-12 Media Day in July, July 29th of this season. Uh, you know, we all wanted to hear what the Pac-12 was thinking, what the next moves were. It was so uncertain at the time. It's still uncertain. A lot of uncertainty in college football. But we were all interested in hearing what George had to say. We listened to that. And then we heard from Sean Hyken uh, back in May about the Trailblazers at the NBA Draft Lottery as they had a very uh, poor season and they got the seventh pick in the draft. But John talked to Sean Hyken about what to expect out of the Trailblazers at that NBA draft lottery. 
and uh, you know about how the season could turn out this year. And Sean was pretty right about all of it. So good hour. Go back and listen to that seven or uh, you can stream that online. Uh, of course, you can hear that when uh, you miss any interview. You go online, get the podcast, hear those interviews. We'll have those up here shortly. Coming up in this hour, John Canzano, he talked with Bill Walton on November 1st, talking mostly about the UCLA-USC decision to go to the Big Ten and leave the Pac-12. Just a great, great conversation. And, you know, is one of those things where I love I love Bill Walton, and he is one of the you know one of my favorite sports personalities when John told me that Bill Walton was coming on the show, I, I just was psyched, man. I, I could not believe that he was coming on, and I couldn't wait to hear what he had to say. And it was very passionate, and it was very good, I think, for the Pac-12. That you know, he he had, he had the same feelings as a lot of the fans do of the conference, and he got him out with John. John, of course, does a great job with all his interviews, you know, getting people to speak their minds. But of course, Bill Walton's going to speak his mind no matter what. So this is. Uh, John Canzano, part one with Bill Walton from November 1st of this past year. John Canzano with Bill Walton right here on the best of the BFD. Well, it was an endless list, and you and John Wilner were the very first because you guys are on this whole Pac-12 story on a constant basis. And it's not just UCLA and USC. It's everything Pac-12, and I'm a Pac-12 guy. I'm a team guy. I'm a loyal guy. I'm a grateful guy. And I am so appreciative of the work that you and John Wilner do on a constant basis. Now, when you start, when you and John Wilner, now you have an H in your name. He does not. And, but it, I can't tell the different pronunciations. I can't tell you guys apart from the pronunciations. So if I call you Kanzano and Wilner, that's just going to have to be the way I differentiate here. But when you guys started calling me on the day of June 30th, I deliberately, purposefully did not make any public statements. And I have not until today. I've been writing. I've been researching. I've been reading. I've been studying. I've been trying to put all my thoughts together coherently. And while the list was endless and ongoing of people asking me, what I think, what I feel, how I reacted to, to UCLA's announcement that they are leaving the Pac-12 and going to the Big Ten. Today, you released my public statement. And if you don't mind, I would like to read it right now because some people are in their cars and some yep. people cannot access where they can get the text. Is it all right if you, yes. you John, you have the floor right now? You, Bill Walton, okay. you have the floor, your statement uh, that was published today. Go ahead. UCLA's wrong turn. All progress requires change. Not all change is progress. I'm Bill Walton. I'm a California native, resident, engaged citizen, voter, and taxpayer. I'm a product of California's terrific public school systems. I'm a proud UCLA alum. I am not in favor of UCLA's recent announced decision to leave the Pac-12 Conference of Champions, nor their desire to join the Big Ten. I don't like this attempted move. I don't support it. I hope it does not happen. UCLA is a public school that is supposed to serve the interests of the state of California. UCLA is one of the world's greatest schools and brands. UCLA represents the best of what life has been and can, could, and should be. 
UCLA has been as great and as important a part of my life as anything, ever. I don't believe that joining the Big Ten is in the best interest of UCLA, its students, its athletes, its alumni, its fans, the rest of the UC system, the state of California, or the world at large. Some of the many reasons why I am opposed to UCLA's attempted move to the Big Ten are, in no particular order, the negative impact on the health, both physical and mental, of UCLA's student-athletes, the exponential increase in travel on UCLA's student-athletes will hurt them physically and mentally and in their overall lives. The negative impact of the excessive travel will extend to families, friends, fans, alumni, and everyone else. The increased cost of joining the Big Ten will negate the projected increased revenue assumptions of this proposed move. This proposed move to the Big Ten is contrary to UCLA's and the entire UC system's stated and professed environmental sustainability goals. This proposed move to the Big Ten has serious negative implications and ramifications for the University of California, Berkeley, and flies in the face of the supposed team concept that has always been a part of the California dream, plan, and business model. This proposed move to the Big Ten is all about football and money. What about all the other 24 sports and 600-plus student-athletes at UCLA who are responsible for 99-plus percent of UCLA's national championships? How many of these others are represented and willing participants in this proposed deal? I went to UCLA gladly, willingly, and proudly. It was my dream That dream never included the Big Ten. I have spoken to no one other than the highest-level directors of, of athletics at UCLA who think that this proposed move to the Big Ten is a good idea. Every argument made by these senior athletic directors and why they like it is about money. These same proponents of moving to the Big Ten are the first people I have ever encountered in my life who have claimed economic hardship and limitations in Los Angeles and that the solution lies in the Midwest. I have made my feelings known privately to the powers that be in the state of California, including the UC's Board of Regents. My hope and dream is that this proposed move by UCLA, my alma mater, will be rescinded. Bill Walton, UCLA, 1974. I'm, a, I'm an adopted son of the state of Oregon. I love Washington, Arizona. We have so many ties there. Utah, the promised land, Colorado, Las Vegas will be there this weekend. But it's just fantastic. I've never met anybody, John, who just said, wow, you know, things aren't happening for me here. I think I'm just going to go to the Midwest and make it. That's just, it's beyond me, and I am, I am in disbelief. I, I'm still in shock. I still... Uh, and just beside myself in every way, and I just hope that with the passage of time and the perspective that the, the smartest people that we have will look around and say, what, what are we doing? 
We're going to leave Los Angeles. We're going to leave the Conference of Champions where we have all our tradition, all our legacy, all our history, all the great successes, all our natural rivalries, and we're going to go to the Big Ten and have our student-athletes fly across the country every week. And and the toll that's going to take on every aspect of their life and how that's going to negatively impact the their experience at UCLA. I loved my time at UCLA. I had the time of my life. I couldn't believe it when they told me I had to leave. But here's this situation where we've got all these things going down here and just with the increased cost and the contrary position of what, UCLA, the entire UC system, the entire state of California is about in terms of our environmental sustainability goals. And now we're just going to be putting everybody on airplanes flying across the country all the time here. And the the fact that this is going to negatively impact Berkeley and a place that my dad, my sister both graduated from, and the fact that we're supposed to be a team out here. Now, this, this is... It is so frustrating to me and so disappointing, John, because so many people have worked so hard to create opportunities for young people to come to UCLA. And UCLA is the most applied to school in the country. The last count I saw was 160,000, 160,000 applicants that enroll at UCLA. 700 of those are athletes. They all came to UCLA thinking, okay, we're part of the Pac-12 Conference of Champions. This is us. This is where we live. And now all of a sudden they're going to pull a bait and switch and change the rules of the game midstream. I don't understand that whatsoever. Will somebody please come to their senses and realize that this is not a good idea? The Regents will meet Uh, um, mid-November. Have you got that message to the Regents? Have you talked with them? Have you testified? What what have you said? I I, I have not testified. I have not filed any affidavits. I will make sure that, that they see this public printed statement, but this public printed statement, uh, which was released today by you, that has been in the works since June 30th, and all the comments that I make on a regular basis to the UC regions, that, that those are all part and parcel of what I have put together here. The only thing that's really new in my public statement is the title. UCLA's wrong turn, which came to me just yesterday. Because while I was ruminating about coming on your show with John Wilner today, and thank you for that privilege, coming on this show on the radio, thank you for this privilege. But I was looking for the title, you know, because the title is very important. And it was, I'm thinking about, okay, mistakes made in life. And and, and, and how that all plays out. And nobody's made more mistakes than me, John. None of the mistakes that I made were conscious decisions of, yeah, I'm just going to do the wrong thing here. It just turned out to be wrong. Well, this decision by UCLA is the wrong decision. And so when I'm thinking about 
you know, what's the classic storyline of the wrong decision? And that was Tom Wolfe's novel from the sticks uh, uh, from the 1980s, uh, Bonfire of the Vanities, and Sherman McCoy, and he made the wrong turn, and from there everything fell apart. And so I put the title on it, uh, on this work in progress, UCLA's wrong turn. I hope it does not happen. I hope that calmer heads prevail. People look at each other and say, you know, that's not in anybody's best interest. It'd be hell of a comeback. It would be a, a, a great story ending. It would be fine. And the Pac-12 would welcome UCLA back. And the, and the, the Pac-12 nation, UCLA nation, would be ecstatic. Uh, I, I have yet to speak to anyone who, who thinks this is a good idea, other than a couple of people at the very top of UCLA athletic departments. And I'm still waiting for an explanation of the, how did a school like UCLA, with supposedly the smartest people in the world, get into a $100 million debt in athletics? Please. Part one of Bill Walton with John Gonzano from November 1st. And uh, one of the, one of my favorite sayings that I've heard since I've been on the show was right in that, in that segment there. Bill Walton saying, you know, I have never heard of anyone going from California to make money and go into the big one or the, the, uh, the Midwest. I mean, that, that's just such a fun statement, funny statement to make uh, and kind of crazy to hear when you hear it out loud. But it is official as uh, USC, UCLA will be going to the Big Ten even with all the support that Bill Walton had for them to stay, UC Regents ruled against it. So we will have more with Bill Walton and John Canzano from November 1st coming up after the break. This is the best of the BFT. I am Stephen Vaughn on the Bald Face Truth Radio Network. You're listening to the best of the Bald Face Truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game. This is the BFT, the best of the bald face truth. I'm Stephen Vaughn, driving the ship here today. Coming up here soon, we're going to have part two of John Canzano's interview with Bill Walton, and a great one that was. We just listened to part one, uh, where Bill read his letter that he wrote to UCLA, not happy about their decision going to the Pac-12. Of course, Bill Walton played his college basketball at UCLA, where he was an excellent player, won national championships there. But this is part two of that interview with John Cazano and Bill Walton from November 1st, right here on the best of the BFD. Does, has anybody explained to you, if UCLA backtracks, how the finances or the deal would work with Fox in the Big Ten or the legality of that part of the equation? Has anybody talked with you about that, Bill? No. There, there's part because, of me yeah go ahead you go ahead no I, there's just part of me wondering you know at, where is the point of no return in with this because i'm with you i'm a purist i'm a traditionalist i grew up on the western part of the united states the pacific Co you know 10 conference was you know ucla belongs in in its in its region in, with its geography it's like fighting a force of mother nature but i wonder if that you know too much has been signed or maybe and the Board of Regents say no. My hope is that Gavin and the Board of Regents say no. 
and that UCLA exceeded its autonomy and authority, and you can't make a decision like this uh, without the approval of the people that run the whole show. And, you know, basically, UCLA has quit on the Pac-12. And that, to me, is not right. It's unethical. And it's the antithesis of everything that I know that UCLA and UCLA's greatness and historical import and impact, this is contrary to everything that UCLA has always stood for. And there is no commonality between the Pac-12 Conference of Champions and the Big Ten. This is, they're there, and I'm glad that they're there, and I'm glad that I'm the Conference of Champions. We are the best in every way. We do not have truck stops in our conference. We have the best of athletics, of academics, of science, of, of uh, culture, of society. You go right down, of geography, you go right down the list, John, and everything we have is the best. And that's why we're the Conference of Champions, and that is a historical fact. Bill Walton, uh, you will be doing basketball broadcasts here in short order. How um, how important it is is it for you, you know, because you uh, you have been known to uh, to to uh, wander during the broadcast, which I love. Um, how important is it to you to to uh, be able to talk a little bit about this in the coming weeks, or how important would it be for you to be able to tell the story of UCLA returning to the Pac-12? I'm telling this story today, John, and I will continue to tell it, but the broadcast is about the games. We just had Pac-12 Media Day last Wednesday in San Francisco at the Pac-12 offices for the last time. The offices are being closed down, and it's now a virtual company, which is fine. But it was such an inspirational day. I mean, it was fantastic in every way. Uh, I, the night before I was in Los Angeles, Lori and I were with the Wolf Pack at the L.A. Greek Theater, fired up. It was incredible. John Mayer came and played with all the guys, got to bed as early as I possibly could, couldn't sleep, got up, Burbank Airport, Oakland, car into San Francisco. From the minute I walked in that door, it was phenomenal to see all the coaches to see Bobby Hurley, to see Tommy Lloyd, to see Andy Enfield, to see Mick Cronin, to see uh, Mark Fox, to see Jared Hass, to see Dana Altman, to see Wayne Tinkle, to see uh, Mike Hopkins, to see Kyle Smith, to see Craig Smith in Utah, to see Ted Boyle in Colorado, to see all the players they brought. Now, I get to witness these guys grow up. And I get to see them mature and develop. And I was just so fired up. It was a fantastic experience. And I'm looking forward to this season so much because there was 
such greatness last year with Arizona and the remarkable run, UCLA back in the national picture because of the brilliance of Mick Cronin and all he does, Andy Enfield, he's on. Andy Enfield is the most successful coach in the history of USC, and he's just done a phenomenal job there. Jared Hass has got a real team. Mark Fox is really building it. It's, it's happening throughout the conference, and I can't wait. But, and the reporters there at Pac-12 Media, they, they were all asking me the same questions that you're asking me. And my comment, as I just declined to answer any of the questions about this today, about UCLA's wrong turn, was that, look, this is about these guys playing today. This Let's let them have their moment. And we are taking away from their moment if we use their games, their moment in, in the spotlight to, to deny them that chance. Because all anybody ever really wants in life is a chance, a chance to be part of something special. I had that chance. I tried to make the most of it. And that's what all these guys are doing. So when the games are going on, uh, this will not be a topic. It's another one of the reasons why I decided to do this today with you and John Wilner, who are the proponents of all good things Pac-12. You guys have been on this. But you're on every aspect of the conference. And it's just something that I turned down during the previous four months, even though you and John Wilner were calling every day and all the other guys were calling. And, but I just turned it all down and because I wanted George Kay, our great commissioner, to have a chance to do what he's doing and to try to do what's best for the Pac-12. What's best for the Pac-12 is that UCLA comes back into the Pac-12, we get new media rights deals, we go on and move forward and think like, act like, and become what we truly are. The Pac-12, the conference of champions with no truck stops here. As you're speaking, I'm thinking, you know, it's interesting, you're channeling some John Steinbeck, the Grapes of Wrath. Remember Tom Joad came, they were headed west, they were looking for opportunity and and this feels also backwards even if you look at the rams the rams went to st louis but what did they do they turned around and came back to la didn't work didn't work right well there's nothing like the conference of champions and when you're when you're here all the time you tend to just take it for granted and you tend to think that every place else is just like this too until you go to these other places and you realize, my goodness, no wonder everybody left here to go to California and Oregon, the Oregon Trail, the greatest land migration in the history of the world, and, and the Northwest, and just how fantastic and incredible and the land of Timothy Egan, the land of Daniel James Brown. And then you get down to the, the Arizona and Hampton Sides and, 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 and up in Nevada and Utah and, and Peter Cozen and Colorado. You have a launching pad to the universe and all these remarkable people who are here doing spectacular things. And now we just have to be better and we have to all convince UCLA of the errors of their wrong turn. And the only way that really happens, and when you look at change of mistaken policy, and that's what this is, John. This is a, a, a 
policy mistake that, that somebody, it could not have been too many people because nobody knew about it until mm-hmm. June 30th, 2022, when we all yeah. woke up to the news. And do you so, feel, do you feel yeah. misled by that, that piece of it? Because I know a lot of people in the Pac-12 felt like the rug got pulled out from under him. Like, you know, why didn't UCLA and USC... Uh, talk with the Pac-12 and say, hey, look, we're unhappy. Let's have a conversation about how we fix it. They, Some people feel misled. Do you feel misled? The rug's been pulled out. I mean, you know, if you're going to make a, a, a momentous decision like this that impacts everybody. I mean, UCLA is a foundational pillar of our community. It is an incredible place located right in the center, physically, physically the center of the economic hub of as great an economy as there is in the world. I mean, there's this campus right there, the hills of Westwood, surrounded, whichever way you go. You got Bel Air, you got Brentwood, you got Santa Monica, you got Century City, and you got Beverly Hills. And you're telling me that you cannot get it done in that environment with that kind of support, with that kind of commitment from the alumni, and you're going to say, oh, yeah, my future's in the Midwest. I don't buy it. And all they would have had to do is float this in the newspaper, and they would have understood and realized immediately that nobody was interested in this. Nobody except an accountant and somebody who saw a big pile of money from whatever source and where it's coming from, but always beware. The choices and decisions that we make in our lives, you know, somebody comes and offers you a big pile of cash, you know, ask them where they got it and what, <laughs> and what do you got to do? What, and what do you got to do to get it? <laughs> and then, and then go look in the mirror and say, who am I? What do I stand for? What do I believe in? Choices, decisions, Jackson Brown, standing in the breach. What side are you on? That is part two of Bill Walton talking with John Canzano right here on the best of the BFT on the Ballface Truth Radio Network. And John, getting some great answers from Bill there. When you get a big, giant, large bag of money, you got to ask, where, where's that coming from? And, you know, I would love to hear what Bill Walton has to say nowadays, right? Knowing that the UC Regents has ruled on it and UCLA and USC are officially gone, what does Bill think of the Pac-12 and that decision now? But we're going to have part three. You can't just hold Bill Walton down to two parts. You get three parts of Bill Walton. We're going to have part three of that interview with John Canzano and Bill Walton coming up after the break right here on the best of the BFT. I am Stephen Vaughn right here on the Bald Face Truth Radio Network. You're listening to the best of the Bald Face Truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game. Welcome back. This is the best of the BFT with John Canzano. I am Stephen Vaughn running the ship here today. Earlier this hour, we heard Bill Walton, parts one and part two, talking about his uh, disagreement that he had of UCLA and USC going to the Big Ten. 
And right now, we're going to play part three of that interview that John Canzano had with the great Bill Walton from November 1st of this, of this year. Here is Bill Walton talking with John Canzano. I get the impression, and not just the impression, I think I know that Bill Walton is not motivated by money. You know, it. Where did you get that? Where did that come from? Well, Talk to you. My yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I work for money every day. I'm a freelance worker. I love to work. I'm a workaholic. Drives Lori, the children crazy, but I just love to work. But you know, I'm I'm out there scrambling every single day, and I learned a long time ago that while I would love to do everything for free, life is not free, and so I work all the time. It drives Lori and our business people in our in our world drives them crazy because I just want to give it all away all the time. But I was <laughs> a super lucky in my life in that people have always been nicer to me than I deserve. And I just keep going. I try to do the best I can every single moment, every you know, every breath we're at the fork in the road. And so many people in my life have just been these incredible spiritual forces of nature, from my parents to my first coach, Rocky, to Chick Hearn and John Wooden, to UCLA, to the NBA, to the Blazers, to Stanford Law School, uh, to the Boston Celtics, to the network broadcasting opportunities that I have. And, you know, I, I, but I just keep going all, all the time. I love to work. And... And I want to keep working. I have, I have zero intention of ever retiring. I just, you know, my, in my life, I, my first coach, he worked to the day he died. Chick Hearn died on the job. John Wood to the day he died. Red Auerbach, to the day he died. Jack Ramsey, to the day he died. Jerry Garcia. You know, Bob Dylan, 81, still going. Grateful Dead, still driving, still pushing out there. That's what I want to do. And I, I love being involved in the game, the game of life. And that's what the Pac-12 Conference of Champions is to me. Because I get to spend my time on these college campuses with guys who are working so hard to create their futures. And, and they're just so full of hope, which I, I lived one more time at the Pac-12 Media Day. And and now we're going to take the best and the brightest of our young people, and we're going to have them fly across the country every week. I've done that, John. <laughs> that is not good for you. And when my spine failed 14 years ago, February 24, 2008, not that I remember the date, the first time I went and found Steve Garfin, my, my ultimate spine surgeon at UCSD, which Jim Gray was able to find for me, Dr. Garfin looked at me and he said, well, what do you do for a living? I said, well, I fly across the country three times a week. And he said, well, you've got to stop doing that. And he was ever so right. And when I look at these young people who, you know, to be on campus, to be with the guys, and, 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 and as opposed to as opposed to just always traveling somewhere else. And in, in the Conference of Champions, you know, we're already here. There's no need to go anyplace else. They will come to us. It reminds me of the time the Lakers Celtic finals one time. We're, we're already all done. Nobody's play, none of us are playing anymore, right? Yeah. But we're there as 
as you know alumni of the Celtic Laker rivalry, right? And we're, and we're in the Chairman's Club at the at the uh, at Ben Staples now Crypto, and we're over in a big, huge halftime crowd, and I'm standing with Chief and Bill Russell, me and Kevin. And, uh, and, and we, I look across the room, and there's Kareem and James Worthy and Magic over there. And I say, come on, let's go over there and say hi, guys. Bill Russell put his hand on my forearm. He said, hold on. They'll come to us. And they did. <laughs> and, and we are the conference of champions. They will come to us. And uh, I just it, it is such a privilege and such an honor to be a part of something so special. And that's what John Wooden, that was his recruiting pitch to me as to why I should come to UCLA, because it's a special place. I want to read, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I want to read read something to you, because I I published your letter uh, today at johnconzano.com, and uh, I, I opened the comments just now as you were talking, and I've never, like, when I write something, Bill, it's polarizing often, like people will debate in the comment section. But I want to tell you, like, as I, re- as I scroll through the comments, Michelle says, thanks for writing this bill. I wholeheartedly agree. It's a travesty. It's fueled by uh, horrific vices of unbridled capitalism. Doug says, 100% agree. James says, could not agree more, and I'm an Arizona alumni. Ben says, 100% agree with you, Bill. Uh, Mark says, uh, you know what? His points are spot on. Al says, Hey, uh, I love that he's using his education. Um, it, Richard says this is fantastic. It's time for people to stand up. I mean, it's a hundred percent in support. How does that make you feel? In my life, John, the decisions that I've made, a lot of them were wrong. But think back to when it was little Billy, really little Billy, nine, ten, eleven, making the choices. And, you know, my, my early, my earliest sports heroes on the national scale were Bill Russell and Muhammad Ali. My earliest social heroes were Bobby Kennedy and Martin Luther King. I never got to meet Bobby. I know his family. I know his wife. I was just there at the house the other day in, in Cape Cod. Uh, never got to meet Martin Luther King. They were both killed when I was in high school and assassinated and my musical heroes growing up as a child and i start i grew up in a classical music household my dad you talked about steinbeck and uh, i forget the thing you said about the uh, R- road of toad or something like yeah, that yeah what? tom joad and great grapes of tom wrath joad, yeah. you know yeah 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 so my dad who grew up in the central valley as did my wife, Lori. Uh, opposite ends, Lori's up in Tracy, right in the middle, right near the Delta. My dad grew up in the very southern part of the Central Valley. His parents were school, public school teachers. His parents were public school administrators. So my dad grows up in this world of the grapes of wrath and everything, and he goes to Berkeley. And this is this is in the late 30s and early 40s, and he's an honor student at Berkeley, and he's just having the time of his life, and he gets drafted. He gets drafted into World War II and ends up fighting on the ground in France and Germany. And please, 
If you're trying to understand fighting on the ground in France and Germany, please read Daniel James Brown's most recent book, Facing the Mountain, the 442. Oh, my gosh. My dad comes back from France and Germany fighting on the ground, comes to San Diego, never says a word about the war, but spends the rest of his life trying to convince people to get along. And so here I have this incredible life, positive, optimistic. I find sports not through my parents but through my first coach. And then when the Chargers, the Chargers moved to San Diego in 1961 or 62 and they chose as their public practice facility a public park that was a half mile, three-quarters of a mile from our family home. And where my mom recently passed away after living there for 69 years. And so here it was. I'd ride my bike, my skateboard up to the park every day and cling on the fence. I'm nine years old. And the Chargers would come out. And every one of these guys, from Sid Gilman to John Hagel to Jack Kemp to Tobin Rote, Gary Garrison, Lance Allwood, all these guys in the Hall of Fame. I mean, I could go right through the whole list. But every day they would come over. They had no idea who I was, what my name was. Really. they just look at me and said, hey, man, it's great to see you. And they couldn't have been nice. Ron Mix, Earl Faison, Ernie Ladd. Keith Lincoln, Paul Lowe, phenomenal. Everyone, they're all in the Hall of Fame today. Yeah. And here I am, nine years old, and they're just being super nice to me. Yeah. And then when I was 14, the NBA expanded to San Diego. And here I am, and I had a key to our gym. I'm a, I'm a, a sophomore in high school, and I'm all of a sudden they find out that I got a key to the best gym in town. And so Jim Barnett, a lifetime in the NBA, still with the Warriors broadcast. Pat Riley, as great as they are ever, and hey, you know he was on the team. John hey, Bill, the leading Bill, careers. yeah. We're gonna run out of you're gonna run. We're gonna run out of time. We've blown through some commercial breaks. We got about a minute here. Um, anything okay. you want? Anything you want to hammer here? It, people can listen to the Gonzano and Wilner podcast. But go I ahead. Trying to make is, the point I was trying to make is that the satisfaction with your choices. My life started with hope, opportunity, and purpose that was given to me by all these people in my life, including UCLA. From hope, opportunity, and purpose, I evolved, I grew, I expanded to include pride, loyalty, and gratitude. Pride, the satisfaction with our choices. I am proud that I went to UCLA. I'm super happy with that choice. I am disappointed and sad at this wrong turn. Loyalty. Does any of this matter? Do we care? Yeah. I'm a conference of champions guy. That's why I'm here today. I'm standing up for the conference of champions. And then gratitude. The appreciation, the respect, the acknowledgement, the, the recognition of the people who went before us. The recognition that I have for you. And John Wilder, who every single day are battling for our Conference of Champions, the, the, all the student-athletes yes. who are out there trying to create their lives. I am grateful. I went with my spine from 14 years ago from trying to make it to I am alive, to I'm the luckiest guy in the world. And that's where I am today. I want to keep yeah. that going. I believe in sustainability. I believe in loyalty. Thank you, John Canzano. Thank you, Bill Walton. Dreams. Thank you for my life. I am alive. Uh, Bill Walton, I'm thank the you. I'm guy in the world. <laughs> thank you, Bill Walton. That was Bill Walton talking with John Canzano right here on the BFT here. Best of the Bald Face Truth.
on the Ball Fishers Radio Network. And uh, yeah, that uh, that's that's how it went. John or Bill had to be cut off there as uh, you know. I I was told right before the interview, hey Stephen, there is a uh, certain time if we want to hit all the breaks, you got to get him out at this time. And you heard John about two minutes before that say, hey Bill, we got about a minute. Then Bill went up for another like two minutes there. So he was right up the other side, but he was giving great stuff. And that's the thing when you get, you know, John Canzano and Bill Walton together. Bill Walton's going to get great stuff, but John's going to get him to speak out and say just what he needs to say. And uh, I think Bill got all out there. You know, he was not excited about UCLA and USC leaving, especially UCLA. It's going to be very interesting to see what happens as, you know, now the picture is still is a lot more clear, but there's still a lot of uncertainty left of, are teams and schools going to be leaving conferences? Are the Pac-12 going to be looking to acquire teams? Are they going to stay at the Pac-10? It'll be very interesting going forward, but still a lot of questions to be answered. But great interview there with John Canzano and Bill Walton. We're going to take a break here, and when we come back, we're going to wrap up Hour 2. This is the best of the BFT on the Bald Face Truth Radio Network. You're listening to the best of the bald-faced truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game. Welcome back to Best of the Bald-Faced Truth on the Bald-Faced Truth Radio Network. I am Stephen Vaughn running the ship today. John will be back next week for some live shows. We've had a good show so far today. Going back in time a little bit and uh, rehashing uh, some of John's better interviews from the year. All these interviews that we played today, you'll be able to hear them on the podcast. So get yourself a podcast. But all the interviews played today, they were from interviews earlier this year. We started off with John's reaction. Not even an interview, but just a reaction that John Canzano had after the news broke that USC and UCLA were heading to the Big Ten want to hear that at once again john was right on with a lot of different things and at that time it was a very interesting time because you know we really didn't know what was happening you know it's one of those things where when that news broke you know nobody knew it not even the pac-12 commissioner george kliavkov he was on vacation uh there was nothing no no inquiries of anything it just happened out of left field and so john's initial reaction about that we had that. We listened to George Klyovkov at Pac-12 Media Day, which is one of those things where we get. We wanted to hear what he had to say. He hadn't spoken publicly about anything with the Pac-12 and USC, UCLA leaving after that decision was made. He hadn't spoken publicly until Pac-12 Media Day. So it was very, uh, very highly intriguing to hear what he had to say about the media rights deal. Very interesting things that he said about the media rights deal that he thought they were going to get done by the end of the year, not done by the end of the year. And he came out and said that deals aren't done at the end of the year in December. We had Bob Thompson on later on that said, that's not true. So, you know, what exactly is going on in the PAC 12? Uh, that is still to remain, uh, remain unknown. But at that time, uh, Klyovkov had not spoken out. So we heard that from PAC 12 media day. We also heard Sean Hyken from the Rose garden report talking about the trailblazers and what potential they had with that draft lottery as the Blazers remember they lost 21 of their last uh, 23 games, 27 and 55 on the season, the season ago, they end up getting the seventh pick drafting Shane Sharp, but Sean Hyken was, you know, had very different thoughts about it at the time. And we all did, you know, maybe a trade stuff like that. So we, it was good to hear that conversation once again with John and Sean Hyken. And then, this whole hour was the Bill Walton hour. And you got to dedicate a whole hour to Bill because he is just a legend in himself. 
talking about the Pac-12 and how much he loves it and how he's so disappointed that UCLA could be heading to the Big Ten, saying, why are you leaving the West Coast and the Pac-12 to go to the Midwest? doesn't make any sense. He was not happy about it. Would love to hear what Bill has to say now, now that it's official. UC Regents obviously ruled in favor of UCLA being able to leave and go to the Big Ten, having to pay that quote-unquote calimony, the alimony paycheck to the University of California, Berkeley. But Bill was came on the show with John Canzano and spoke his mind on that great interview there. So go ahead, catch a podcast, uh, relive all the old stuff right there. And we're going to take a break. And we come back, we got the five at five. No matter if John is here or not, we're doing the five at five. I am Stephen Vaughn. This is the best of the Bald Face Truth on the Bald Face Truth Radio Network. BFFT. From the Pac West Center in downtown Portland, presented by High Caliber Millwrights, here's John Canzano with the Bald Face Truth. Hour three and a happy hour here on the BFT. I am Stephen Vaughn filling in for John Consano as this is the best of the BFT. We have recapped a lot of John's best interviews all week as the year is about to end. John will be back next week, though, for some live shows. Today we had uh, went back into the time warp zone and we listened to interviews of John Consano with George Klyovkov for Pac-12 Media Day. Just got John's reaction from the USC UCLA news that they were going to the Big Ten. We heard from Sean Hyken, and of course, we dedicated a whole hour to Bill Walton. As you should. The legend that is Bill Walton talking about the Pac-12 and UCLA. He was not happy. He still isn't happy. And now that it's official, what does Bill have to say about that? We don't know. But it was a good uh, interview to have. That was from November. Sean Hyken from earlier in the year in May. George Klyovkov, July. Just all over the map there for all of the sports. But of course, whether John Canzano is here or not, we we have to do the 5-5. Five five. We have to. We got to. There's lots of news going on. 5 at 5 right here. Let's do it. The 5 at 5. Brought to you by Mercedes-Benz of Wilsonville. See more than 4,000 vehicles at Swickert.com. Number one on the 5 at 5. Oregon recruiting. Yes, they had a great day yesterday top five it seems like in a lot of places for the recruiting classes but it takes a hit today number 14 nationally ranked guy number one safety in the nation Peyton Bowen the safety out of Denton Texas he originally committed to Notre Dame it was a little bit of a shock that he flipped and went to Oregon yesterday big news five-star player getting the flip to Oregon but now he's had a second change of heart as he has tweeted out and it is official now Peyton Bowen flips from Oregon to Oklahoma. The Sooners getting the defensive guy that they want, Brett Venables, former Clemson defensive coordinator, getting some talent there on the defensive side. But for Oregon, losing out on Peyton Bowen, and just a weird story here. Just kind of, I think it really sums up just what is college football, college recruiting. You can never trust anything, (laughs) never trust anybody, and you're always got to stay on your toes, always recruiting. Whether he's on your team now or you recruited him, if you have a good year. And, uh, you know, especially if you're a smaller school, Oregon, not a small school, but all these schools, they got to be on the lookout, always looking at the transfer portal. But Peyton Bowen heading to Oklahoma, that's number one. Number two, Trailblazers, they went to Oklahoma City and lost again last night, 101-98 for their second consecutive loss 
to the Oklahoma City Thunder. Trailblazers only got to 98 points last night. They did shoot the ball well, 49% from the field, but 18 turnovers. Damian Lillard did not shoot well, 6-19. He missed a shot at the end of the game. Blazers were down by one. Lou Dort plays great defense, causes a air ball. Thunder win the game. Portland now with the loss, 17-15 and 15 on the season. That is good enough for seventh place in the Western Conference, which if the playoffs started today, they would be in that play-in tournament for the Portland Trailblazers. Jeremy Grant, 17 points. Yusuf Nurkic, 12.6 rebounds. Damian Lillard, of course, 16 points, 8 assists. For the Thunder, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, 27 points, 6 rebounds, 3 assists. 13 free throws attempted. A lot was made of the free throw disparity here. 25 to 9 in the Thunder's favor. And uh, Oklahoma City, they get the win over the Portland Trailblazers. A little sweep as the Blazers and the Thunder played back-to-back games in OKC. Oklahoma City running away with both of them. And now, looking at the stands for Oklahoma City, they are 14 and 18. They are in 12th place, two games back of the 10 seed Minnesota Timberwolves. Next up for the Portland Trailblazers, they are in Denver at Ball Arena, taking on Nikola Jokic and the Denver Nuggets. Number three in the 5 out of 5, YouTube is going to get the NFL Sunday ticket as the NFL announced a multi-year agreement for Google to distribute the league's Sunday ticket on YouTube TV and YouTube premium channels. It's a seven-year deal worth more than $2 billion per season. Remember, this package, the uh, NFL Sunday ticket, has been on DirecTV since 1994. And DirecTV, they paid in their last contract $1.5 billion per year on an eight-year deal. But that deal ends at the end of this season. Now, remember, the NFL, Thursday Night Football, which is tonight. We'll get that later on. But they partnered with Amazon Prime for Thursday, the streaming service. So this is another streaming service that the NFL has made a deal with. First Amazon, now YouTube. NFL Red Zone has already been available on YouTube TV since 2020, which is what I have. I have the NFL Red Zone on YouTube TV. We love it. It's great. But the uh, now you can get it there officially all the time, and that's what they want it to be. And the price for the NFL Sunday ticket is not expected to decrease very much as those deals are mostly made with Fox and CBS. But the viewers are still going to pay around $300 to $400 a season for the package that averages 2 million, do- million subscribers a year and so now you can get the NFL out of market games on your TV and it'll be through YouTube on YouTube TV. Number four, just some college football news and notes here. Travis Hunter, who was the number two prospect in the 2022 class, he went to Jackson State a season ago with Coach Prime. He hit the transfer portal as soon as Coach Prime left for Colorado. It was widely thought he was gonna follow his coach to Colorado and he has made it official. He will be heading to Boulder and Colorado Buffaloes. He'll be playing there for the Ducks. Noah Sewell, he is heading to the NFL draft. He will not be playing in the Holiday Bowl foregoing his eligibility. Jaden Daniels, former Arizona State quarterback, he has said he is going to return to LSU. LSU, remember, they won the SEC West this season, played in the SEC Championship game against Georgia. Jaden Daniels, the quarterback of that team, got hurt at the end of the year, but looked okay for a second there under Brian Kelly in his first season. So he'll be back for the Tigers in Louisiana. And another transfer, this time in the Pac-12, another quarterback, Jack Plummer of Cal. He has entered the transfer portal. He transferred to Cal a season ago from Purdue, but he has one more year of eligibility. 
he will be hitting the transfer portal once again. And your fifth thing on the five at five here on the BFT. Thursday night football, Jaguars at the Jets. Now, I know what you're thinking. Jacksonville Jaguars versus New York Jets. Why do I care? Well, you know what? It's actually a decent game. Jags only a game out of the AFC South for the division. The Jets a game back for the seventh spot in the wild card race for the or for the AFC. Must win game for both teams. Zach Wilson going to get the start for the Jets with Mike White out with that rib injury. Weather could be a factor. The total is really low right now for that game. Two interesting teams taking off in each other in a game that we thought had no meaning, has some meaning today. Jets two and a half point home favorites in that one. Of course, we're going to have all the coverage here locally in the Portland area on 7.50 the game at 5.15. Kickoff for that one, we will have the game right here. And that is your five at five. I host a, uh, myself and Judah Newby, we host a uh, weekend show here locally, Bet the Game. 9 to 10 a.m. We love to talk betting, whether it's college or it's the NFL. But, uh, you know, the Jaguars and the Jets taking on each other. Very interesting game, like I said. Jaguars have made a little run here, only down a game to the Titans right now. That spread two and a half. The Jets are favored, laying the two and a half at home. 36 and a half is the total. Very low total because the weather is supposed to be a factor. Trevor Lawrence is active for the Jaguars. Should be a very interesting game. I do like the Jaguars just to win outright. I think the Jets time has run out a little bit and with Zach Wilson at quarterback I cannot trust them I cannot trust them in this game so I do like the Jaguars in that game as well and the Blazers man I want to talk about the Blazers real quickly they need to get better on defense and that's just a factor they only gave up 101 last night but they gave up some easy buckets at the end of the game Thunderwood on an 8-0 run to end that game Portland still bottom third of the league in defense. They need to step up in that area before they fall out of the playoffs altogether. And with that, that is going to wrap up Thursday's best of the BFT here on the Bald Face Truth Radio Network. I want to thank Judy Newby, Peter Sampson, of course, John Canzano giving me the shot here. John will be back next week, but we'll be back tomorrow with more of best of, including an interview with Mario Cristobal when he left Oregon to go to Miami. This is the best of the Bald Face Truth. I am Stephen Vaughn on the Bald Face Truth Radio Network.